Dear brothers, as we are gathered together in our community to celebrate the Holy Eucharist, we can't help but be aware of the unusual and somewhat alarming fact that this celebration takes place without our usual Sunday guests. It's good to remind ourselves that as the majority of the Catholic faithful are being asked to abstain from Holy Communion in the coming weeks, that we are united to them through holy baptism. Therefore, whatever nourishes one member of the body nourishes the whole body. How important it is then today and in the coming weeks that we who are privileged to receive communion do so devoutly and worthily, praying for our fellow Catholics, praying for our fellow Chicagoans, for our fellow Americans, and fellow citizens of the world, as all of us work together to counter the affliction of disease that has befallen us. This idea of being connected with each other in this organic way in the Eucharist is something we often overlook theologically, but I think right now we can't overlook how we're connected in our bodies physically. Uh, In a time of contagion, it's completely obvious that what I do with my body has an impact on others' bodies. One of the few certainties is that our bodies are very much connected to others by the possibility of infection. And we can see more clearly how each one of us paying attention to his own health helps the whole community. And we help our neighborhood and our nation stay healthy as a whole. By contrast, if one of us is careless and gets sick and spreads it around to other people, it is likely that lots and lots of people will share in this affliction. It won't simply be limited to me. In the Bible, sin is often symbolized by contagious illness or sickness. What we can gather from our present circumstances is, then, that sin is contagious too. When we go to the sacrament of confession, it's always important to remember that we're not only reconciled to God by confessing our sins and receiving absolution, but we're reconciled to the church, to the body of Christ. We are no longer infected. We go back out and we're restored to communion. We don't have to isolate ourselves anymore. Uh, we're back in our true spiritual family once we are reconciled in the sacrament, just as in baptism, again, we were incorporated into that body. Similarly, at the beginning of Genesis, if we go the other direction, we watch how sin spreads. It infects everything, including the ground. Uh, There are no thistles in the Garden of Eden, but there are after sin starts to break things down. Everything gets sick. It doesn't work anymore. Baptism and Holy Communion are the antidotes provided by God for cleansing us of this spiritual infection. We hear a lot about the Samaritan woman this morning, and she is surely a picture of isolation, self-isolation, as we've been hearing lately. She visits the well in the heat of the day, a time when she is unlikely to meet her fellow villagers uh, who have the good sense to draw water when it's cooler out. Uh, She's undoubtedly ashamed of herself. She doesn't want to have to meet anybody 
she's a woman of ill repute, we might say in an older language. But if we're honest about the image that I've been drawing so far this morning, uh, it's really important for us not to cast her in a role of isolation in sin, as if she's the only one who sinned, or as if her sin is somehow uh, not connected to the sin that's gone before, what we would call original sin. Surely her five previous husbands have been part of that infection. She just happens to be more vulnerable. And her fellow villagers probably find it advantageous to themselves to focus on her shortcomings rather than their own. Rather than looking at how they may have contributed. Uh, Have they created an atmosphere in which she could have a safe, good, productive marriage, raise kids and so on? Or has there been a, a whole series of cascading problems in the village that have caused this woman to suffer? We don't really know, but we know what sin is like, and we can guess that uh, they're all implicated somehow. In contrast to the shunning that she receives from her own people, we see Jesus seeking her out. because He knows that she's coming. He knows these kinds of things. When he sits down by the well and sends his disciples into town, he's not unaware that he's going to receive somebody there. And uh, he speaks to her, in spite of the fact that she's a woman, that she's from an unclean people. uh, She's quite shocked by this, that this Jew would speak to her. In spite of the fact that she's cohabiting with a man who's not her husband, that she's been divorced or separated from many other men. But like a good physician, Jesus diagnoses her. And he doesn't hide any of the maladies from which she's suffering. She says, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Uh, I've been telling you all that uh, now that we have testing going on, we're likely to find out that lots more people are infected, but it's better to know the truth than to go on imagining that the virus isn't spreading just because we don't feel sick. Uh, So it's important to know what is actually going on. And Jesus gives this woman the safe space where she can unburden herself of what's affecting her. So he's acting like a good doctor. Simply by showing his loving and attentive presence to her, we can see her actually starting to be cured. Uh, She becomes actually kind of apostle for Jesus. She goes to her villagers and tells them to come and check this guy out, come see him. Those from whom she had been isolated are now connected to her and through her, through her healing, her spiritual wellness, to the Savior of the world. So those whom she had been avoiding became believers, even before many of Jesus' own people. This is the power of love and of truth. In the four remaining weeks of Lent, uh, which we might spend just like we're doing today by ourselves in the church, But let us not be afraid to let Jesus into our life more and more and be honest with him and honest with ourselves about the ways in which we have been the spreaders of the contagion of sin rather than healers. Let us be those who drink from the font of the sacred heart of Jesus, receiving his spiritual healing, that we may spread this love and reconciliation throughout our interaction with others whenever we finally get to see them. Let us be honest about the ways in which we've cast others in the role of the Samaritan woman. 
uh, someone whose supposed sinfulness makes me feel better about myself. Perhaps it is just that person who's going to be the apostle for me through his or her healing. Perhaps it's just that person that I look down on as, as lesser than myself who's going to bring me news of Jesus' presence. And of course, let us continue to pray and to offer reparation for our world as it's beset by anxiety, that God's mercy may extend to all, and that our common experience of the present affliction may be converted by God's grace into a vehicle of reconciliation.